Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be back. I'm going to open us up in a prayer. And I won't always do that because I don't like prayer, but I uh, just felt like it um, today. Um, and because as I sit, be- as you sit before me, as I stand here before you today, um, I don't know that, you know, state of your mind or heart, uh, but as I was praying this morning, uh, I realized everyone comes with a little bit different attitude or different experiences from the past week. And I just had a rough week, so I'm just being honest with you. It was a not an easy week, you know, for me. My, my wife is homesick. My kids are sick. They woke up with sore throats. A little heat exhaustion on Friday for my wife. Our, our rental was like 88 degrees, and we were trying to put away boxes, and my wife was near fainting, and I was supposed to write a sermon, and that didn't really happen till last night. So I, so I say all that not to, like, gain your sympathy. I just want to let you know that following God is going to come with some challenges, you know? And you may come today and, like, we're singing these really great songs. We read this, like, scripture. You're like, I'm going to be into Jesus today. And you know what? You may have had some difficulties like me. So you bring today worries, right? Struggles. People who are sick. Um, I didn't, I mean, I thought maybe on Friday I was going to go to the emergency room, take my wife. I'm like calculating how much that's going to cost. Do I even have insurance yet? I mean, right. I'm like literally thinking these things while I'm like trying to follow God. It's a fresh start, new chapter. Yay, Jesus. And I realize that some of you come as well. You've had some stuff this week, right? So I'm going to pray for us. Not that we're going to ignore it, but we literally know that we have a good God who's not surprised And we get to pray and say, Lord, you know all this stuff in my life. And so take all of me with all of my doubts and all of my struggles, all of my problems. You love me right now as I am. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and you can pray with me to offer yourselves up to the Lord this morning. I know I need it. Maybe you need it too. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are a good God who loves us as we are. You know the week that each one of us has had. Lord, we praise you and worship. We know some people come just full of joy and answered prayers, and they're seeing amazing things happen in their lives. Thank you, Lord. And I thank you also for the people who have these experiences this past week that are causing them to doubt and that you still love us. And for people who have unanswered prayers and people who come and who've had uh, problems this week and health problems and financial problems, we bring all these things. And Lord, we want to hand these things over to you, not because we're ignoring them, but because, because you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. We know you can handle our problems. You can handle our doubts. You can handle our faithlessness. You can handle our inconsistencies. Thank you, God, that you're a God that loves us in spite of ourselves. And that we can rest in your grace this morning as we search your word. Would you speak to us? And Lord, I pray that there is anything of you that you would use those words or those thoughts through me, your servant, this morning. And you would sear them on people's hearts and minds. And Lord, as we have prayed already, if there's anything not of you, would you remove it from our hearts and minds this morning? May we know we get to rest in your grace as we worship you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. 
I'm going to share a few more stories of, of my week again. But last Sunday, we concluded our 40 days of prayer by starting a new series called A New Chapter. Last week, we talked about a fresh start. And we're going through the book of Nehemiah to remind you these things. There are three different times that the Jews were taken into captivity into Babylon, three different times that they came back that they returned to their homeland. Now, the first group of Jews were led by Zerubbabel. Try to say that 10 times fast. The second group was led by Ezra. And the third group was led by Nehemiah, the guy that we're studying these next few weeks. Each one of these three leaders rebuilt Judah kind of in their own way. We had Zerubbabel, who rebuilt the temple of God, the place of worship. Ezra reorganized the worship. And then Nehemiah physically rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. And as this third wave of Babylonian exiles returned to a broken down Jerusalem, what we see is how Nehemiah uniquely embarked the people of God on a fresh start. And it was more than a construction project. It was a spiritual renewal. With a focus of three things, a focus on worship of God, a focus of renewing, a commitment to community with one another, and then a focus to serve and look outside themselves and serving other. So what we want to do is focus on these three rhythms of discipleship that Nehemiah, we're going to learn from him as he taught the Israelites who had just returned from exile. We're going to lead you the next three weeks in this new chapter, focusing upwards on God, strengthening inwards on community, leaning out, looking outward to serve others. Those are the three rhythms of discipleship. If you have your Bibles open, if you kept them open, take a look at verse 4 with me. Nehemiah's prayer says this, As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for days. So what happened is this, Nehemiah gets this really bad news about the people of God, and God captures his heart, and his first instinct is to pray. His first instinct, when Nehemiah hits a problem, is to turn to the Lord. Now, I wish I could say Pastor Tim's first instinct, when he hits a problem, is to turn to the Lord. But yes, even pastors struggle with this, okay? Because it's a daily spiritual practice for your pastors And for every one of us as believers to give ourselves over to the Lord every day, our everyday stuff, every day. It's a spiritual practice. So let me give you an example. Just the other day, I was attempting to get away to to, to be at the Lord, right? Because there's this thing called the sermon I got to write every week. So I'm like, I'm going to spend some time with Jesus. I'm going to get in my word, hear from the Spirit. It's going to be awesome. Thursday. Thursday is my sermon prep day, Okay. No interruptions, except none of our toilets are working. Okay? That's not a good thing. It's 88 degrees inside our beautiful home on the hottest week on record, like, ever in the area, right? With a house that has no drapes, a beautiful home that has its windows and sun coming in all the time on the hottest week, like, on record ever. It's like 88 inside. There's no toilets working. I'm supposed to be writing my sermon. Okay? Now... I'm on the phone Thursday and Friday with plumbers, with this home warranty insurance thing, and they love to help you, by the way, home insurance programs. They love, love to help you, I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek. So I'm on the phone all day Thursday, all day Friday, finally get a plumber out, and they're like clearing the drain and doing things, and it's hot, and my kids aren't happy, and I'm supposed to be writing a sermon, and the plumber says, I'm sorry, I can't fix the problem, I'll have to come back, but you have to get approval for me to return, okay? 
And when he came, even the first time, you know this happens too, for insurance to cover it, they have to be able to witness the problem. Did you know this? You know this happened to you? So if your toilet stopped, but when the plumber comes, he flushes it and it works. I'm like, oh no. So literally I'm praying on Thursday as the toilet is working. I'm like, dear Jesus, please stop up this toilet. I'm serious. I prayed that. That's your pastor. I prayed for my toilet to not work in front of the plumber because insurance isn't going to cover it. The plumber's going to go home. Everything's fine. It's not fine. So on the third flush, it stops up. I'm like, praise the Lord, right? It's gurgling. It's not pretty. I won't give you the details. Okay. It's like, yes, he could see it's not working. And so he fixes it, but he couldn't fix it. He had to, have to come back tomorrow with a camera. Great, but your insurance has to approve me coming back. So I'm on the phone all day, Thursday and Friday, trying to tell the insurance how I still have a problem, and they say, well, we're really busy. We probably can't get there till next week, okay? So here, here's what it is. I'm not telling you all this to get sympathy. I'm just telling you, when you try to get focused on Jesus, stuff happens sometimes, right? Like, I just said, Lord, I'm just trying to write the sermon, Lord, okay? That's all I'm trying to do. Help out a brother, right? Have you ever encountered distractions when trying to spend time with the Lord? Have you noticed what happens when you get quiet and you got your Bible and you're sitting and you finally like make some space for Jesus, you're going to read his word? What happens? The baby starts crying right when you got your baby down. A plumbing problem, right? The dog won't stop barking, Okay, your phone vibrates, right? Right when you're trying to get all tight with Jesus, distractions. One pastor recalls, true story, he cried out to God. He was going through a super tough time and he was commuting to, oh, he's doing his degree, okay? He's commuting to school on his way to like a Bible class. And he says, you know, Lord, I'm having a tough time. God, where are you? God, if you're really up there, would you give me a sign? And before he even got that word out of his mouth, a bird pooped on his head. I'm not kidding you. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, God, where are you? Oh my goodness. Distractions. So let's say you get past the distractions, bird poop, toilets and all, okay? Sitting there with Jesus, Bible in hand, ready, amen, right, ready. You get quiet. What happens next? The internal distractions. I should probably call a plumber right now. Oh, man, I wonder if insurance is going to cover that or not. I right? I'm trying to pray, but in my brain, I have my schedule. I got to schedule the dentist. Oh, man, did my clothes smell? Man, did I? What, what happened? Right? You're trying to get quiet with Jesus. You got the external distraction. The baby's not crying. The dog's not barking. Maybe the plumbing's working. You're quiet with Jesus, and all you can hear are these, like, things in your head. Has this ever happened to you? Maybe even worse, though, more ominously, the voices you hear, it's not your schedule or the dentist or whatever else. It's actually really ominous stuff like this, like, you're a disappointment, Tim. God doesn't care about you. Nobody really loves you. If they really knew you, no one even spent time with you. You ever have those ominous voices? And right when you're trying to sit with Jesus, these other voices come in. You know, it's hard to worship God on your own or here at church when you have these voices 
in your head, when you have those internal distractions. So yes, there's going to be these external distractions, these internal ones as well, but I just want to encourage you to keep worshiping God because these things are going to try to keep you away from God. But you need to remind yourselves when the distractions come of these truths, and you're going to have your own things you remember from God's Word, but here's some things that I try to do. I just try to remember what's true when I'm hearing these untruths. When I get these distractions outside, distractions inside, I try to remember what's true. I try to remember something like this, that, Lord, you have engraved my name on the palm of your hands. That's really good news because you're not going to erase my name from yourself. You're not going to undo your love for me. So in the midst of these external and internal distractions, sometimes I have to just remind myself of God's truth, that even if others forget me, Lord, you never will. That's true. And that in Jesus, we're given a love that we never earned, and that means I can never lose it. Because since God didn't love me because of anything I did, that means I can't lose his love by something I do. Sometimes in the middle of the distractions, you just have to remember what's true, right? Because guess what? Your life is going to be full of distractions this year and voices. And you have to train yourself, be kind to yourself, have the grace to hear the truth of God. He has written your name. He's engraved. Not just written, not just like erasable ink. In great, God got a tattoo. I'm telling you, it's in the Bible. God tattooed himself. I'm not telling you you can get a tattoo. Ask your parents, okay? But God has tattooed his name on himself. He's not going to undo it. He's not going to like laser cover it, okay? It's not like, oh, I made a mistake, right? I don't like that person anymore. You are his own. If you said yes to Jesus, and this is what it takes, you realize I cannot live life on my own, that I've something's wrong with my life, that I have gone wrong somewhere. And as Nehemiah prayed, as we prayed earlier with Siska, Lord, forgive me for not centering my life on you. Would you come into my life and help me live it? Jesus, amen. Something like that is the beginning of this relationship of grace where God says, I'm writing your name on my palm. You're mine. You, you can't doubt enough to make me let go of you, God says. You hear that? Sometimes in the middle of the distractions, we just need to soak in a tr simple truth about God. He, it's an unlosable love. My doubt will never beat out God's grace. His grace is stronger than my doubt. You got to remember in the middle of the distractions, these simple truths. Commentators know as you look through the whole book of Nehemiah, you flip through it, you read that Nehemiah had this great habit, this pattern of regularly turning towards God in prayer and worship. And I want that for my life. And guess what? It's tough for pastors. We struggle. And I bet you struggle too. As you hit roadblocks, relate, think of those relational stuff right now, financial stuff, plumbing problems, yes, medical issues, yes, faith issues, doubt, all of those things are going to be coming your way this year, okay? And Nehemiah did not have a cakewalk in this job he had. He kept turning to the Lord in prayer. He kept battling through the distractions, believing and knowing that God loved him even with the distractions. 
that, that you would even believe if you show up and just try to be with God, that God is smiling. Say, so I'm just glad you showed up. I'm just glad you're trying. Awesome, because I already love you. That you would lean into that, because as we talk about these three rhythms that Nehemiah taught his people of focusing upward towards God and building community and focusing outward, that you would remember it all begins with knowing there's nothing you could do to lose the love of God. Once you say yes to Jesus, God says, you're in, you're mine, I'm going to build you, I will pour into you, and I will sustain you, and I am bigger than your doubts and your failures. That's what it means to worship God. That's how it all starts. And that's what's going to carry you and me through. That God's own spirit, that you remember this truth in the midst of the distraction, that God's own spirit lives within me. And the Bible says that the spirit in you is a guarantee, that basically that God's in you, and a guarantee of what is to come. That when Jesus returns, that you are secure. And you're secure from now until then. Just got to believe these truths. In the middle of the very real external and internal distractions. That God is just smiling upon you right now, even in the midst of your imperfections and my imperfections. That's what part of worshiping God looks like. But Nehemiah, in the middle of those distractions, kept turning himself towards prayer. So don't give in to the distractions. Don't despair because of them, but keep working through them because God is worth it and you're worth it. That God wants you to keep worshiping him, keep focusing on him because your life matters to God. Because what you do today matters not only for your life, but it matters into the generations that follow. What you do makes a difference. I could have ended my life at age 16. That was the path I was on, age 14, 15, 16. Woke up every day thinking, I'd rather, I wished I didn't wake up today. And I just imagine, what if I gave into that lie? I never would have written that song. I never would have said that, but whatever. I mean, I never would have married, had kids. Just think of all of the things, just in my one little tiny, itty-bitty, insignificant life. The good things that God had in store for me if I gave into that lie. And so I just want to tell you, keep fighting through. Just know your love in the midst of your doubt and your faithlessness of your, of your mess-ups. Keep worshiping God. Hang in there. Keep going, because God is real, and he loves you. He has a plan for you to bless others, but stay focused on him, but keep worshiping even with the distractions. Your pastors struggle with distractions. We know you do too, so struggle with us. Take a look at verse 11 with me. Chapter 1, verse 11. Nehemiah's got this great prayer. I wish we had a whole year to study Nehemiah. He says again in his prayer, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant, to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name, and give success to your servant today, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was cupbearer to the king. Oh, we get to learn something about Nehemiah. He is a servant of the most powerful human being of the planet at that time, the king. Now, Nehemiah the cupbearer to the king was praying, grant me success, Lord. And his vocation as a cupbearer was super important, very influential, but it took God's intervention for Nehemiah to reveal to him that God had a different plan than staying in Babylon with some of the most important people in the world and a new plan to leave with some of the poorest of the poor, these exiles, 
leaving Babylon to go back to a broken city, Jerusalem. Nehemiah needed God's intervention as he prayed to reveal to him a different plan for his life. I want to personalize this a little bit. Yesterday I was at this uh, men's ministry and I shared to uh, the group of men that were there my personal journey that led me to Christ, that led me into full-time ministry, and that led me here to CPC. And Katie and I decided um, to join CPC um, after a lot of different seasons of prayer. So we spent time praying about where God would want us to be next. Now, here's the thing. I was personally convinced that God had me and my family in Los Angeles for the next 20 years. I was just convinced. This is where God wants us, okay? So when I was praying, I'm like, no, this is what the Lord's saying to me. And Katie was like, I think the Lord's saying something a little different to me. Let's keep praying about it, etc." Now, because I'd spent my whole life in Southern California, 49 years, okay? So I'm praying, Lord, I know you want me here. This is where I'm strategically, you're placing me, where all my connections are. I know it's here. And my wife was like, well, as I'm praying, I'm sensing something a little different. Let's keep praying about it. It became clear as we prayed, very clear, that I'm supposed to be open to coming here. Over a series of events and different prayers, of course, my wife was hearing a lot more clearly than I was at the time, okay? So we started praying, started being open to say, maybe the Lord would have us come here. And it became real clear after some months of prayer and other circumstances that, you know what? Katie, you're right. I think our gifts would be best used in this church. And so we started doing, we actually started saying no to other opportunities that came our way before we ever knew we'd be pastor here. We started saying no. You know what? We're just going to go all in. If it doesn't work out, that's fine. Lord will just give me an unplanned sabbatical vacation, I guess. But hope, let's hope it works out. We started saying no to these other things in faith because the Lord started making it clear this is where we're supposed to be. You know, sometimes God is going to surprise you as you pray. He's going to surprise you with something outside of your expectations, something outside of just what you thought your call was. And he's going to do something new in your life. Because if you choose to pray and worship, you need to be ready for God to lead you wherever he wants you. And you know what? For 49 years, that was Southern California for me. But you know what? God had something different planned for my next 20 years, which is awesome. But I didn't see it until I went to prayer, until I was open to God using even other people as they were worshiping and praying to speak. So you may not hear an audible voice. I didn't hear one. You may not have a particular feeling when you pray. I, I didn't get a certain feeling when I, when I prayed. But you know what? Even without those things, you can be confident that there's a good God who is happy you showed up, trying to connect with him, trying to hear his voice, trying to understand God's word, trying to meet for that early Bible study or trying to come to that midweek thing that's just a, a hassle with your schedule. Like, just know that God is cheering you on. In the midst of the struggles and the distractions, and I know it's not just a scheduling problem, but there's like health issues you're dealing with, right? You have people who are struggling in your life. Maybe you're struggling. Just know that God is smiling upon you, that if you've said yes to him, your name is written on the palm of his hand, and it's just, he loves you. That is the inspiration for our worship, to focus on God. Not you doing more or being a good human being, but knowing and relishing and resting in the grace of God. Like, yes, I'm loved. I don't have to prove myself to anybody. I'm loved. And sometimes God will surprise you. You sit before him with a new assignment. 
It might still be here, like in this physical place, but just something different, something maybe you're not good at yet, or something you never tried. I don't know, but just be ready. If you say yes to God, be ready to go and serve wherever he might lead you. And so I can promise you that if you don't make worshiping God a priority, if you don't rest in his grace, if you don't make it a priority to personally worship with him and worship like we're doing now, that your quality of life, the deep down that you want, you're going to miss. Because you were made for your life to be centered around Jesus. And every day, we all are wrestling and struggling to center our lives around Jesus, the one who loves us with an everlasting love. But you need the right priorities in your life. In order for your life to be heading in the right direction, fighting through those distractions and making worship of God, resting in his grace, number one. So you remember my plumbing problem, right? When the toilet got stopped up last week, you know, I said, because if you were here last week, you heard me share about my incredible handyman skills, right? How I'm fairly clueless in this area, but the toilet stopped up. I'm supposed to be writing my sermon, spending time with Jesus, right? So I'm like, you know what? It's a new start, a new chapter. I'm going to man up. I'm going to be handy. So I found my fanny pack again. (laughs) I found it. And it still had the seven screwdrivers in there. That might help a toilet. Two of them I recognize, five others, I don't know what they do, okay? I had my one wrench that doesn't adjust, that might help a, a clogged up toilet. I found my red duct tape, that helps a toilet, I just tape the toilet up, right? Got my duct tape, I had my measuring tape, because that's helpful when you have a clogged toilet, right? And guess what? After hours of my efforts with these wonderful tools, the toilet was still clogged. What a surprise. Pastor Tim did not have the skills to undo a clogged toilet. So then I went, I know what the problem is. I need something called a plunger. They make these things, okay? I went to the store, the hardware store, and I went to get a plunger. But you know what? They make different kinds of plungers. Do you know this? There's like an accordion-style plunger that said it works better than any other plunger on the planet. And you know what? They never lie when they advertise. So I bought that one, the accordion plunger, okay? And the great thing, when I read the directions about the accordion plunger, it's super powerful, like super powerful. And so because I work out, you could tell. So I wanted to get the plunger, and you read the instructions, and if you angle it just right, it will powerfully clear your clog. And so I lined it up, and manning up, I had my tape measure out and the duct tape, which of course helped, and I had the plunger, and with all my might, Boom. Now, here's the thing with plungers. If you don't angle it just right, this is like a physics lesson, and you put all that pressure in one direction, but you maybe don't get it exactly in the right spot where it's supposed to go, all that energy comes back. (laughs) And the good news is that because I got the world's best plunger, the most powerful push forward all came gloriously back. (laughs) So that didn't work. I was prioritizing the wrong thing. So you know what I really need to do? Call a plumber, right? Just like last week, call AAA, call a plumber, okay? So if you don't prioritize the right things, you might have good tools, duct tape, good, right? Good. Tape measure, good. Screwdrivers, those are good. Wrenches are good. And a plunger, if you know how to work it, is good. I might have good tools, but I didn't prioritize it the right way, okay? 
Here's what I want to tell you. Take a look at verse 11. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant. You know what you need to prioritize this year? Worshiping God. Resting in his grace. Powering through the distractions. Hearing the true voice of God. Not the lies. He's written your name on the palm of his hand. You have an unlosable love that you never earned and it cannot be taken away from you. He's smiling in you just for showing up. Okay? You can't out, you can't out sin God's grace. You can't out doubt, out doubt God's power. The priority of this year, we have a million good programs here. I hope you come to them. I really do. Bible study, good. Youth group, good. Buying tacos, good. Mexico trip, good. All good things. But if you aren't resting in the grace of God this year in worship, you don't have your priorities straight. All good things, but you're lacking the one thing, resting in the grace of God. I want you to consider how to go deeper with God this year by making him a priority. And perhaps you'd like to struggle along with me and Katie as we try to make this a priority in our lives this year. Because we got, I got a million emails already and phone calls. My light is blinking. You want to talk to me? We got plans, new ministries, outreach, problems. Wonderful. I can't wait to talk with you. But you know what? If Katie and I don't rest with Jesus this year, it's all for naught. If we're not sitting in the power of the grace of God, if I don't know that no matter how you like my sermon or my jokes today, like, it doesn't matter. What matters is that God knows me and loves me. I, I'll be judged by him. And you know what? He loves me. He's got corrections, a ton of corrections for me. But I don't have to prove myself to anyone. I'm living in the grace of God. You know what? I can forget that tomorrow. I need to sit with Jesus. I need to sit with people like you. I need to worship and pray and, and serve because it reminds me of who I really am. And maybe you need a reminder of that too. It's hard to worship God, but I hope you will join us in struggling through all the distractions, the external ones and internal ones. Make it a priority above all the other good things. Make it a priority to worship God, to love Him, to rest in His grace. I was listening to Francis Chan share a message last week, and he was talking about how young people, like some of us here are looking to the church for real signs that Jesus is in its leaders. Wow. You know, we have all these things we try. Let's try to get more young people in our church or do this or that. Let's do a new program or this or that. And appreciated Francis reminding. You know what they need to see? People in your church who look like Jesus. Because a young person can smell if you don't really love God and if you don't really love people. Pretty simple word. So I'm imploring us here for this season to fall in love with God again. To know that your name is written on the palm of his hand. Above all the other good things that we're going to tell you to do this year. Revelation 2.4, Jesus actually confronts a church, a really great church. And he says, you know what? You're doing all these great things. You have some great ministry but you lack one thing. I have this against you, Jesus says. You've lost your first love. Oh, man. 
I don't want to forget it. In the midst of all the busyness of our lives, I don't want to forget that Jesus wants us to sit with him and know he's smiling upon us. He wants us to rest in his grace and, yeah, and, and yeah, get to work. Not because we need to do the work to earn his love, but get to work because we know we're resting in his grace, that I want to work hard for Jesus to be part of his kingdom adventure because I'm loved. This is the best adventure anyone could be on on the planet. I'm loved. I'm free. I don't have to wake up distraught anymore. But guess what? If you do, God still loves you. But just know that's not the true reality of who you really are. If you're a depressed person or an angry person, that's not who you really are. You might be trapped by a brokenness of this world right now, but that's not who you really are. And in Jesus, one day when we see him face to face, we will become fully who we really are. And as we're on this planet, we'll spend the rest of our lives growing towards into this person who we really are. But we'll never see the fullness of it until we see Jesus face to face. So be patient with yourself and be patient with that person next to you because they're a work in progress too. And you help each other rest in God's grace this year to worship God, to keep it your focus, to recapture that first love as Jesus wants. Now, I'm no scientist. I was a math major, but I'm not a scientist like some of you brilliant people out there. But my guess that we have a thing called the solar system, and in the solar system, there's something called the sun, like in the middle, and then the earth and other planets and things revolve around that, and the moon revolves around the earth, all this whole deal, okay? Now, I'm not a scientist, but my guess is if suddenly... I was God for a day, and I said, you know, I'm going to put the earth in the center. Let's see what happens then. Earth in the center, sun somewhere else. Wow, I have a guess, guess, that we would have like Armageddon-level, like extinction-level earth reality, right? Like 1,000-foot tidal waves, earthquakes, fires, you name it. it like extinction-level event, okay? On, if, if the earth was the center of our solar system, bad things would happen. Some scientists, please email me and say, yes, Pastor Tim, you are brilliant, okay? But my guess is, if I got to be God for a day, put the earth in the center of our solar system, some really bad things would happen. Because guess what? God, as revealed through physics, did not mean or intend our solar system to have the earth at the center. It's a really bad idea. And guess what? If we believe what the Bible says that God made you and wired you and he wired you to worship and he wired you that you would not be at the center of your own life. He has wired you for God to be at the center. And so if you put yourself at the center instead of God, bad things happen. Let me mention a couple of bad things. This is a whole other sermon, but a couple of bad things happen. When you put yourself at the center each day as opposed to God, here's one thing that happens. All the good things in your life, you take credit for, and you get prideful. Look, you know, I got, I got into Yale. I just mentioned Yale. It could be Stanford. It could be UCLA. You name the school. I got in. I won this. I worked hard, right? I was most improved. I'm successful. Look where I live, what, what, right? When you put yourself at the center, your life is going well. You get prideful because guess who did it? I did it. The other option is this, when yourself is at the center. If your life is going bad, guess what? You become despondent. My life is terrible. It's not fair. 
Why does that person have more than me? How come I live in this particular family situation? How come my financial situation is like this? When you put yourself at the center, all the badness of your life will make you despondent. So there's your option, people. If you want to put yourself at the center of the solar system of your life, you can either be prideful and be far from God or despondent and far from God. And so Jesus has put me at the center. I will take all your pride and I'll take all your despondency and you can rest in me. I'm going to invite you this year to keep Jesus at the center. Or maybe you're saying, I've never done it. How do you do that? I'm not telling you exactly how to do it. I'm just saying there's a Jesus looking at you with eyes of grace, ready to receive you, ready to have your name written on the Father's palms, a spirit ready to fill you if you'd say yes to him. And so I'm going to invite you to pray with me, to decenter yourself and invite Jesus again to be the center of your life today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your patience. Thank you, though, that we can never out-sin your grace. Thank you, Lord, for the truth that even as we sit here today where two or three are gathered in your name, Jesus, you promise somehow supernaturally, mystically, whatever it means, that you are there amongst them. And so in faith, Jesus, we believe that you are literally in some special way here with us in a different kind of way, your presence. Would you make yourself known to us as we sing these songs, Lord, even as we sing these next songs, may we even take the worries of our day, the distractions in our life, and just imagine ourselves handing them to you, not because they don't exist, but because we want to center our lives on you. We're going to hand you our problems and hand you our doubts and and hand you our bitterness and say, Jesus, in worship, you want it all our whole selves, because you love us just as we are, but you want these things that are distracting us from knowing the truth of who we are in you. And so God, as we sing, as we worship, as we pray, as we lift hands, as, as we kneel, whatever, Lord, we do to worship you right now, may it be an act of saying yes to you again, yes for you being the center of our lives, Jesus. But thank you for your patience. Thank you for always loving us beside what we do and who who we try to become, Lord. Thank you for loving us beyond our performance. Lord, forgive us for our pride. Lord, forgive us for our despondence. As we center our lives on you, there's always reason for hope. Thank you, Lord, for sitting with us in the midst of our doubt. Lord, help us to fight through the distractions, to keep worshiping you this year, resting in your grace, Lord. We love you. Thank you for loving us first. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Carmel Presbyterian Church, visit our website at www.carmelpres.org or any of our social media pages. Have a blessed rest of your week.